0: So I invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians 6, and this is one of those opportunities, uh, parents, adults, to get out your Bibles and model for the next generation um, how to find books in the Bible and uh, what they're all about. So Ephesians comes after the death and resurrection of Jesus, after his ascension into heaven, And after the gospel has gone out and the church has begun to take root and to grow, and uh, this is one of the Apostle Paul's letters to one of the churches or to the Ephesians. And we're going to look at chapter 6, the first four verses. First four verses, it's page 1823, if you're struggling. 1823 in your pew Bibles. And uh, we're in a series, in fact, we're going to wrap that up today on um, a community of grace and truth. And we've been looking at uh, the different generations in the church, the first, second, and third, thirds of, of life. And uh, some, some of you have said to me, boy, I, I don't really know what generation I'm a part of and where all the divisions are and, and all of that sort of thing. So here they are again. <clears throat> you can kind of place yourself but we also included this on the in your bulletins right at the bottom of the liturgy so you can take it home with you, put it on your refrigerator, um, remind yourself which generation you're a part of. My wife reminds me that I'm part of the third third, she's only part of the second third. Um, so you can, uh, can kind of have those discussions ongoing as well. Um, this morning we're going to look at the second third, and this uh, scripture passage may seem like it's directed only to the first third, um, but we'll talk about that. So let's read the first uh, four verses of Ephesians six. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, and that you may enter. Um, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. And um, it's Mother's Day, I understand, so you could probably include mothers in that as well. Fathers and mothers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends in Jesus Christ, as I said, we're looking at the church once again and uh, specifically at Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 12. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Each one of you is a part of the body of Christ. Now, two weeks ago, we looked at what that meant for those in the third third of life. Last week, we looked at the same thing for the first third. Today, we're looking at the middle third the middle third, and I call it the middle third <clears throat> intentionally because that's probably what's most unique about this, this second third of life, and that is that you are stuck between and constantly dealing with two other generations, those who have gone before you and those who are following after you. As I said earlier, dividing up our lifespans into thirds is, is rather arbitrary in many ways. In fact, even dividing them up into the generations you saw earlier is, is also kind of arbitrary, and you find yourself thinking, no, I'm more like this than like that, that sort of thing. But basically today we're, we're looking at those folks in that middle generation, those who are often called Gen Xers and also Millennials. And when you think about those two generations, you you might actually think that there is more that makes those generations differ uh, from one another than what makes them alike or what makes them mirror one another. For example, um, some of you, maybe on the older end of this spectrum, some of you actually found pop culture to be sort of a unifying experience. For example... um, All you had to do is mention things like the Beatles and the Brady Bunch and Saturday morning cartoons. And all of a sudden you have all sorts of things to talk about with people who are of your same age group, that sort of thing. You have common memories to share. Whereas the tailenders of this third are more familiar with things like playlists, right? That, That tailor our music listening to our own personal preferences. And you listen to those playlists, not on big speakers that sit in your living room for the whole house to hear and critique the kind of music you're listening to, but you listen to your music on little things you stick in your ears, and nobody really knows what it is you're listening to. Same with television watching, right? It's, it's tailored to your preferences, to your wishes, um, you stream whatever it is that you want, and you can't imagine a world with only three channels, right? And so life is is tailored to the individual, and you couldn't sing the theme from the Brady Bunch even if it meant winning final Jeopardy, not if your life depended on it. So there are a lot of differences between even this group of people, but we also have a lot in common within um, these two generations. And the biggest thing, I think, is that we are, again, in the middle. We've been influenced by the generations that have gone ahead of us, and now we're called to influence the generations that come along behind us. And I think most people in this generation, they feel that weight. They feel that responsibility. You are the responsible ones. You've been handed tools, and you've been told to go to work. And so you're working jobs, and you're pursuing careers, and you're raising children. In fact, you're at that age when the common question for you is, so, what do you do? What do you do? Doing seems most important. Being, not so much. The problem is that someone threw you a curve in life, and you're finding out that human beings can't just do. They also have to be. And the curve that you've been thrown, I think, and I want to talk about a little this morning, is the I generation. You've been thrown the first third, the generation that's growing up like none of us ever did. They're growing up knowing only a world with smartphones and social media, the generation that's making the rest of us feel really, really inadequate. And it's no secret that the iGen, iGeneration or iGens are unique, and they're growing up at a more leisurely pace than many of us grew up. They're taking their time. In other words, they're in no rush to do things like we used to do, right? Get our driver's license, get that first job, those kinds of things. And they're also pushing back the traditional markers of adulthood, things like marriage and mortgages and children. They're they're in no rush to get there. They're also doing things less, or doing social things less, without the presence of their parents. Almost all the way through high school, their parents are pretty much with them throughout at sporting events, at parties, whatever it is. Parents are always sort of there. And the emphasis then is more on safety than it is on community. Our children and that generation also experience, um, are experiencing a mental health crisis. Mental illness and depressions are rising at harrowing rates. And all the data is pointing to the same thing, the cause of it all, smartphones and social media. You've probably heard of FOMO, right? The fear of missing out, the fear of missing out. Common story goes like this. 13-year-old Grace opened her Instagram page one day to find pictures of her closest, dearest friends at a birthday party That she had not been invited to. I felt like I was the only one not there, she said. I felt left out. And that's just a common, common experience today. There was a time when you used to have to hear those things sort of whispered in the halls at school, but now you can see the up to date, up to minute photos and even videos of exactly what it is that you are missing out on. And it hurts. It hurts. Furthermore, on Instagram today, young girls post photos of themselves and invite other people to comment on them. Something that my generation would have been terrified to do. Inviting other people to comment on your looks and things like that. And so there is, there is all this incredible pressure to look a certain way and to fit a certain body image and to be beautiful. And so is it any surprise, really, that there's a direct link, a direct link between social media and depression People, all you need to do is talk to young people today. They know all the terminology about mental illness. And a lot of that's because it's so very real in their lives. One of the terms that teens and preteens use to describe themselves today is ducks. Ducks. Why ducks? Because ducks look so good. They look so calm. They look so composed on top of the water, but under the water, they're paddling like crazy just to keep up. And that's often how this generation feels. They look happy, they seem full of self-confidence online, but underneath, they feel deeply vulnerable and almost depressed, like they just can't keep up. Now, what does this have to do with the middle third? Well, we are the ones who have been tasked with raising them. We're the ones responsible for them. And oftentimes, we feel like the tools that we've been handed for the job just aren't adequate. It's like we're trying to do logistics before the invention of the wheel, Or we're trying to prepare a Mother's Day meal before electricity entered our kitchens. We just don't feel like we've received enough from those who have gone before us to do the job that we have been handed. And so, friends, the first thing I want to say this morning is I get it. I get it. It's a huge job. And in so many ways, we are still searching for the answers. But I also want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to take up the challenge and to accept the responsibility because God himself has deemed you worthy of this task, worthy of this task. It is doable, and God has given you some of the tools to carry it out. And we're going to look at two of those tools uh, this morning that I think come to us in our text in Ephesians 6. So let's just look at that text again, the first couple of verses in particular, where Paul writes this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, and then he goes on in the very next verse to to quote from the fifth commandment that comes to us in Exodus and Deuteronomy, and there it says, honor your father and mother. Now notice, what I want you to notice here is that Paul uses two different words, in these commands to describe what children owe to their parents. They own obedience, or they owe obedience to their parents. They also owe honor to their parents. And while we often sort of group those things together and think they're exactly the same thing, really there are subtle differences to those two words, to those two commands. For instance, to obey is pretty much black and white, isn't it? I mean, we all get the idea of obedience. To obey means to submit your will to someone else, to another. It means to follow a command. And it almost has these sorts of military connotations about it, right? Sort of that that idea of jump when I tell you to jump and don't ask how high until later. That's what obedience is, is sort of all about. And children are called to obey their parents. It's fairly straightforward. And yet, if you look a little more closely, you also notice that there's an expiration date stamped on this one. A 30-year-old, for instance, is not called to obey her parents in the same way that a 3-year-old or a 13-year-old does. Right? In fact, proper obedience in children fosters more and more freedom. They begin to make their own choices, And it even leads to this idea of later independence in life. When they're no more called to obey. Obedience is something, in other words, that one matures out of. But in short, obedience is simply about hearing and doing. It's about accepting and submitting to authority. Now, honoring, on the other hand, is just a little bit different and one way to get at that, for instance, is to recognize that you never grow out of this idea of honoring your parents. Whether you're a child of 7 or 57, you are always called to honor your parents. And that's because the word honor has to do with, with weight. It has to do with weight. To honor someone is to acknowledge the fact that they carry weight or influence In your life. To honor someone is to attribute worth to them. It's to say, you have worth in my life. You always have and you always will. Okay? Honoring never ends. Now, what I'd like us to see here is that both honoring and obedience are actually two-way streets. The commands are given to the children, but but they're a two-way street, each of them. For someone to be honored, in other words, there has to be something worthy about them. There has to be something worth honoring, something substantial in their lives. And that's why Paul says in the next verse, fathers, don't exasperate your children. What's the most exasperating thing your parents ever did to you or ever said to you? I can remember one. Do as I say, not as I do. Okay, why is that exasperating? Well, it's because you're expecting your children to be something that you are not and that you're not even concerned about. You're just saying, you ought to be like this. But don't look at me. That's exasperating, friends. That's not a life worth mimicking, is it? It's not saying, here, look at my life. Judge what's worthy about it. It's saying you ought to do this. But the same thing can be said about obedience. Okay? For a child to obey, someone actually has to be willing to issue a command, someone has to claim and express authority. And so while Paul's commands here are issued to children, what we need to see is that not all the responsibility falls on them by any means. The responsibility also falls on us as parents, and it falls on us as a third third or a second third, the middle third. And why I say it falls on this entire middle third is because we're sort of taking this command command from the perspective of the Heidelberg Catechism. When the Heidelberg Catechism deals with the fifth commandment, it says this isn't just about children obeying your parents. It's about the whole community of Christ, the whole covenant community, the baptized community. And what it says is that we are supposed to honor and obey all those who are in authority over us. All those in authority over us. So the authority of Christ is mediated to us not only through our parents, but through all the adults in the room. And therefore, we are supposed to honor not just our parents, but all the adults who love us and are keeping covenant with us. People like pastors and youth leaders and Sunday school teachers, and even the woman that you really don't know, but she tells you to stop running in the narthex. You should honor her, and you should obey her. But it's not just the children again, it's the adults as well. We have to live lives that are worthy of honoring, and we have to live lives that actually take the risk of commanding and giving people something to obey. It's a community thing. Now, I want to look at at an example for how this might play out in our lives. And the example I'm going to use arises out of smartphones and social media in the hands of our children, right? Now, like I said, the studies are showing over and over again a direct link between these modern-day tools and all of the mental health issues that we see in our children and in this generation today. There's really not a lot of doubt about that, but... With that said, there are two sides to this sort of problem and this issue. One side is very, very practical, and it has to do with practical sorts of issues. For instance, it has to do with time. Time. Kids who have smartphones and who are on social media, studies have shown waste more time. In other words, They have less time for face-to-face kinds of interactions, experiences with their families, with their peers. They have less time for homework. They have less time for a job. They have less time to sleep, and that leads to all sorts of other problems, emotional problems and developmental problems and educational problems, right? They're not getting their homework done. They also, another practical issue is when you're on social media more, you encounter more bad content, right? Negative content. You run into pornographic stuff, but not just that. Like I said, you run into self-image stuff, body image, and everyone else is having more fun than I am, and everyone's life is more glamorous than mine is, and, and I don't measure up. These are the kinds of things that make us feel insignificant and alone. Now, if you think about it, this side of the issue can be addressed mainly through obedience and through commands. In other words, it can be addressed at that level. Simply, don't spend so much time on your phone. Don't spend so much time on social media. But, again, someone must be willing to To issue that command parents have to be willing to set the rules and enforce them no technology in bedrooms after such-and-such a time or you can have a smartphone but it'll only let you text or do whatever until you're 16 Um, you may not have social media until you're such-and-such an age Friends, like I said, there's enough data out there these days that these kinds of issues can't really be ignored. And we also cannot just wait for our politicians to set the boundaries. God's given us brains, right? As a Christian community, we should be taking the responsibility seriously and be willing to command. And I know that there's hesitancy to do that. And that's a hesitancy, really, that you got from those who came before you. It's this postmodern mindset that we have to let children, you know, make their own choices in life. That there's, there's really no one who holds authority in life over us. We have, to, we have to authenticate ourselves. We have to be our own individuals. We have to make our own choices and choose who we want to be. I remember one of the first times this actually had impact in my life. We were having kind of a family dinner, and um, I have older sisters. They're pretty much, very much older. I was a tail ender, all right? So I got to sort of witness all these discussions from afar. It was probably me who wasn't eating his vegetables or something like that. I I struggled with green things Um, most of my life. I was one of those, you know take a bite, and take a swallow of milk, and that kind of thing. And there developed an argument at the table around that. And one of my sisters, I think she was married at the time, um, <coughs> finally said something like, well, in my children, I'm never going to tell them what to eat. They're just going to choose what they want to eat. They're going to eat whatever they want to eat. And even as a little kid, I thought, you know, that's not going to work. <coughs> <laughs> that, that, that's really not going to work. But that's the kind of parenting that we have passed down to this, this middle generation. But, point, but friends, the point is, we can even make these kinds of decisions and make these kinds of commands in our families ourselves, but in the end, we need help. We need help. These are not just individual family decisions. These are community kinds of things. They're community kinds of issues, And, and therefore, the answers need to take place at a broader level and even at a community level, okay? It's not just enough for one parent to say, well, I'm willing to issue a command. As a community, we all have to be willing to make commands and support each other in those commands, If I'm the only parent who says, you can't have your phone in your bedroom at night, that's not going to last very long. It's not going to work because I'm alone on an island. And therefore, parents, we have to support each other in this kind of thing. We have to recognize that we have a communal responsibility and a communal responsibility to command. You've got to talk to each other about this stuff. You've got to be on the page, the same page, excuse me. We've got to help each other in, in this regard. Now, let's go beyond this commanding idea. That's one side of the issue. But there's another side to this, and that's the side of honor. It's the side of honor. Um, not all issues can be solved with commands, right? It's not just about limiting the choices of our children or their options. As parents, we also need to expand their options. In other words, we need to live lives worthy of honor. We are the ones who need to give them some positive things to aim for in their lives. Not just saying, no, you can't do this, but maybe your life would be worth more if you did these kinds of things. Let's just think about what this, this example in terms of use of time, right? We can limit our children's time on social media, but it goes beyond that. We also have to model for them a good productive use of time, right? We have to teach our children how to use time well. I have to teach them that there are some things in life that are worthy of my time, and there are some things that are not worthy of my time. Are you spending time in your life seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Or are you spending all of your time seeking after other things? The other things mentioned in that text. Are you spending all of your time seeking after lesser things? Are you modeling the commands of Jesus? The character of Jesus? When Jesus says that we are called as Christians to serve one another, that doesn't mean that we're just called to spend a week at a service project once in our lives, or we're called to go into Milwaukee um, for a week, or for a day, or for a weekend once a year. What the command is calling us to is to model serving one another all the time in the name of Jesus Christ. He's calling us to schedule those kinds of things into our calendars and to work around them, to show our children that, hey, these are priorities. This is important. This is the way a Christian lives, not just once in a while, but all the time. Likewise, we have to model not just how to use our time well, but a better way of being social. Okay? Think about it for a moment. Social media is called social for a reason. More and more, it's our children's only experience of being with others and interacting with others. And so they will tell you, if I'm not on social media, if I don't have a smartphone, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I will feel left out. I feel alone. I will feel excluded. All of those kinds of things. And if that's true, then it's not enough simply to offer our children a command. It's not enough to just say, well, you can't be on that or you can't do that. That's not giving them something to honor in your life. We also have to show them a better way to be social. We need to expand their options. So how are we doing that? How are we living honorable lives in this regard? The kinds of lives that our children can look at and say, Mom or Dad, I'm going to honor you the rest of my life for what you are showing me about how to live with other people what are we giving them to honor? Are our social lives simply narrowed down to social media themselves? Is that how we interact with each other? Is that all our children see? Is me on Facebook or on Instagram or all of those other things? In our social lives, are we simply trying to keep up with the Joneses? The very kind of the very same things that they see on social media? Trying to be rich and beautiful and all of the other stuff that's really all about appearance and image and not substance. Are we living our lives socially with the f- with the same fear that they experience every day, with the fear of being ostracized, the fear of being left out, the fear of you know, not being fashionable enough, not being hip enough, not being um, the right body type or smart enough? Are we constantly afraid of being tossed out of our own social groups? Have we not matured beyond that? And friends, those are issues that get right down to the very gospel itself. Am I secure in the gospel of Jesus Christ to know that I am loved in him and I have worth in him and that in the community of believers my worth is based on the gospel of Jesus, not on how I look, not on how much I own. Are we modeling a different kind of social life, a confidence that we are loved by God and therefore have intrinsic value. Can you go to a party with a spot on your shirt? Are you okay with that? Can you step outside without dyeing your hair? When somebody starts to tell you that you're not hearing so well, um, would you ever dare wearing a hearing aid in public? Those are the kinds of things our children, they need to see. They need to see that you can be loved in spite of those things. Have you ever risked ostracism by your own friends so that you can tell your daughter one day, you know, though all my friends forsake me, my God never will? Remember the girl that I mentioned earlier posting pictures of herself on Instagram, <clears throat> inviting others to comment? Friends, that girl needs to know that there is a community of people, not just a family, that there is a community of people where a woman is honored not for her beauty, but for her holiness. Not for her fashion, but for her love and good deeds. Not for her cosmetics, but for her wisdom and integrity. Not for her workouts at the gym, but for her works of compassion and courage among the overlooked. We are a community who has to begin to value these things. And husbands, I'm going to hit you up here since it's Mother's Day. But I'm going to hit you up here. Are those the things that you value in your wife? When you compliment your wife, is it always about her looks? Or do you compliment her for her integrity? And for the way that she uses her God-given gifts in service to her Lord and to her community? Do you compliment her for seeking first the kingdom of Jesus Christ? Do you say, honey, that's what I love about you? You're not concerned about what everybody thinks, about appearance and so forth you love Jesus, and you live it out. And that's got to be a value among all of us here, and it works in the opposite direction as well. Are we living the kinds of lives that our children would say, I want to honor you the rest of my life. Thank you for showing me how to live not just for telling me how not to live. Friends, we are called to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We're not called to seek the kingdom of Donald Trump or Joe Biden that's nowhere in the Bible. We're not called to seek the kingdom of Elon Musk or Walt Disney. We're not called to seek the kingdom of, of Billy Eilish or Kevin Hart or even Kevin Durant. We're called to seek the kingdom of God. Friends, let me just put this in one last perspective, okay? You look at this passage in Ephesians, and your first thought is, what is this doing here? Because Paul has been writing in Ephesians about Jesus ascended into heaven and the king who reigns over all things, and then he talks about Jesus sending his spirit and his church being filled with the spirit, and you think, well, what does this have to do with all of a sudden children obey and, and all of this little stuff? And then you begin to realize that what Paul is doing is he's telling us that people who worship an ascended Lord and who are filled with the Holy Spirit are called to live out the presence of God in this place. We're called to be an alternative community, a different community. That's why he says in chapter 5, he says, let there be, there should be no obscenity or coarse joking among you or foolish talk. You think, what's that got to do? Well, friends, the world is full of communities where that's what defines them. Coarse joking and foolish talk and obscenity. And the Christian community, filled with the Holy Spirit, is supposed to be different and fresh and and exactly what God wants it to be. And that's what he's calling us as a church to be in regard to all of the stuff I talked about this morning is a unique community, different. We don't spend all of our time at the gym. We don't spend all of our time with sports. We don't spend all of our time pursuing our careers. We spend our time with the substance of seeking The kingdom of God. Don't give up. Help each other. We have the power of the Holy Spirit among us. Let's pray. Lord God, you've given us a great gift, many great gifts. You've given us the gift of family, you've given us the gift of of church, of each other. You've given us the gift of your Holy Spirit who teaches us more and more what it means to be like Jesus Christ, to pursue his his kind of righteousness in the world. Lord, you have given us so many gifts. Don't let us squander them. Lord, help us to help each other. Help us to live lives that are are worthy of, of honor. Lord, we honor you. We honor you for living that one life that was most worthy of honor and glory and praise. In some way, may we honor you with the lives that we live. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.